All right. Welcome back to the hot seat. On this show, we have the 2019 winner of Beyond the Ultimate Ice Ultra, a 230K five-day stage race in the Arctic Circle. Previous eighth-place finisher at the 2017 Gobi Desert Ultra. This is a 400-plus kilometer nonstop, 106 hours on his feet. Welcome to the show, Simon Grimstrup. How you doing? I'm doing fine, thanks. Good to be here. Thanks for coming on and sitting in the hot seat. Simon and I attempted this recording a little earlier. We had some technical issues, so we're going to see if we can uh, if we can stick it this time. Yep, let, let's try again. All right, before we dig too deep into this interview, share something with our audience that most people probably don't know about you. Well, yeah. Well, probably, there's, there's probably a lot of things they don't know. Hopefully there is. <laughs> Not that I have anything to hide, but... <laughs> But yeah, actually, I don't like being on the phone, so so this is um, yeah. If I get a little bit nervous, that's that's why because this is kind of on a on a phone. Yeah, we are kind of on the yeah. phone. Well, thank you for I coming. I like to on. yeah yeah. Thanks. <laughs> um, so let's start from the beginning. Before ultra running, before you ran across the Gobi Desert, before any of that, um, where are you from, and and what were you like as a kid? Um, I think I was, uh, I'm probably different than, than I, what I think I was, <laughs> but I was, a. have always been a, been a scout because all my brothers were, were scouts. Uh, and my family has been like, uh, into scouting, boy scouting. <laughs> and uh, therefore I'm, I'm not a typical runner because my family is not a sports family, but, um, but my brother, one of my older brothers, he was doing rowing. And um, in the winter time, we could not; they could not row. So he asked me to come to his club, and there was this fun run every Saturday. And he asked me come along, and I said okay, yeah, I would like to. And on the way down there, I remember he told me, "I'm not, I'm not gonna wait for you. There's probably gonna be some some old old people you can run with. Otherwise, there'll be some some yellow arrows and and stuff." And then I ended up beating him and he's like three years older so he stopped running and I just found out wow I like running and that was when I was 10 and, and since then I've, I've been running a lot um, so in my childhood I was a scout I liked uh, and then I did these running adventures in the forests and um, never been in a club or anything before I was like 23 I, I turned in up to learn orienteering to do orienteering as a sport and then I started doing a little bit of adventure racing and always been hiking a lot, uh, been going to the mountains also because of the scout stuff. And then when I was 35 or something, I found out I was actually pretty good at, at these endurance runs and mountain runs. And yeah, so, so that's how it started. And then I just, yeah, just suddenly I was into elite running and on the national team of running and wow i didn't see that coming i'm not like elitist or anything yeah one thing i find interesting is you're from denmark and denmark's not exactly known for its mountains but you seem to excel at the steep rough terrain how do you how do you make that connection actually i live uh, right next to uh, the sky mountain we call it and that's uh, one of the highest points in denmark and it's 150 meters <laughs> And yeah, but it, it's actually quite a hill. Um, so I can do like run uphill for like five minutes 
if I go really fast. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then I'm on the top of the, the hill. So I do that a lot. Um, actually, I run up and down all the time. So we have a lot of small hills, but very steep hills and very muddy hills, muddy terrain. And then otherwise I go to the Alps for, for training. And yeah, so I spend a lot of time in the Alps and the mountains so also to get used to it. So at 35 years old, you ran your first race. Where was that at? How did that go down? Oh, it's not my, my first race, but, but I, I've done a lot, a lot of road running and 10Ks and half marathons, just fun runs. And yeah, it, it was, um, I, I've been working as a, as a mountain guide for the national television in the Pyrenees uh, for five weeks, guiding a group of uh, people that had, had the lifestyle uh, diseases and tried to get into shape to get rid of all the pills and tablets and stuff. And then every time we went down to a little village, mountain village, I saw these nice posters of all these mountain runs and trail runs, and I thought, wow, that looks good, but it also seemed very long. So when I finished that hike, I found a race in, in Italy, and I signed up for that race, and there was 63 Ks and a lot of climbing. And I was really, that was really a challenge for me. Uh, and then I came down there, and I remember I did hike the route before, like in five days or something. And I got really, when I got to the start line, I got so nervous because everybody there looked like they'd been running all their life. You know, the Italians, they were very slim and very fit and stylish and had all these backpacks with the bottles in the front. And wow, I actually got so, I, had a, I was really afraid that I was going to lose to the whole bunch. There was like 500 people or something, but yeah, hey, then we started climbing the first mountain and I saw, okay, I'm actually, I'm actually leading, not, not leading, but almost, I was like number four or three and I ended fourth in that race and Italians, they're so nice people, they, they like partying and they put the, the first sixth on, on the podium and there I were <laughs> with a podium picture. Nice. So I, I didn't expect that, yeah. So that was your first ultra race, your first over 26 mile race? Yeah, definitely. I, I only did like one marathon before that, and uh, but I had, I had done some long adventure races before that. Let me back up real quick. So you were doing this program where you were taking, I'm assuming, a, a, a very obese people or people who weren't living healthy, and then you were hiking yeah. and losing weight. What, were, did it work for the people? Did they get off the meds and lose weight? Yeah, actually, the, the program were following the, the people for half a year. And it, it worked really well. When I got them, they couldn't have done it when they started. They, they had a coach there for, for half a year. It was a big setup. Um, but they, they managed, and some of them, they lost like 40 kilograms. So that's a lot of weight. That is a lot of weight. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and most of them, actually, I think most of them kept the, the weight down. Some went back into to bed, um, bad habits. But, but some of them actually got out of it. Uh, so, one thing yeah. I was reading here on your resume was this this Gobi Desert race, 400 plus kilometers. You finished this thing in 106 hours. <laughs> that just blows me away. Kind of set the stage. How did you end up at this event? And just kind of describe to me what happened out there. Well, I ended up there. That's probably can you say that in English? But it's like a culmination of. Uh, it was just like things that just kept going from my first race in Italy and then I did UTMB and suddenly I was 
all over running and, and doing stuff. And suddenly I was invited for this race in 2017. And I'm, I don't see myself as an ultra runner. I see myself as a mountain runner, trail runner. I don't like going too far, <laughs> but I'm good at going far. But this race was, was mostly flat. And in 2017, I had had a really bad year because I found out because of all the hill running I've done, I couldn't run flat anymore. So I got a bad bollock from running flat. So it was, it was a really a tough race. So I was invited there with, with 10 other elite runners, and that's how I ended up there. So there were uh, only 10 of you who did this race? No, we were like 50, but uh, to make up... Uh, a tough battle. I think they they put in like ten uh, ten invited runners, and right. um, because I, I would never sign up for it, it, it sounded too crazy for me <laughs> and too mental. <laughs> yeah. So you're at the starting line, and you know you've only got 400 kilometers to go. Yeah. And you're in the middle of the desert. What are you thinking? <laughs> <laughs> I think I was not trying to think too much because I. Uh, after 8K, I knew that my bollocks was, uh, not my bollocks, but as I say, my, my back was going to be painful. And But I was just thinking just to the next checkpoint. Like in any other race, you just, you don't, you try not to think about how far you you have to run, but just to um, to the next uh, checkpoint. So I was thinking maybe one marathon ahead and and then trying not to think too much. And then I was... When we started running, I started thinking, wow, how everybody told me to go slow, but how slow can you go? <laughs> and uh, should I walk or should I run? Or whatever? Because normally I do mountain runs, and it's quite obvious. You walk uphill and you go as fast as you can downhill because then it's free running. Um, but on the flat, it was like, oh, I didn't know what to do. Um, and then there was this really good runner, really not just a good runner, but a good uh, person. Uh, Dan Lawson, he was there. He's he's like really, he's he's a really good fellow and a good ultra runner. And and he, uh, I I tried to battle him, even though I knew I shouldn't do it. I tried to battle him, and halfway through, I just completely my muscles just went down, and I had to to stop. I couldn't couldn't barely stand on my legs. Yeah. Interesting, interesting. And so then, did you finish? I mean, I guess you finished in 106, yeah. 106 hours, but... Yeah, I finished, but but my aim was to do it like in 80 hours. But halfway through the race, it was, I, was, I was in so much pain. I was moving with, I think, like so so slow, like 2Ks per hour or something, really like just crawling. Oh. And then I came to the halfway point, and actually I wanted to quit. But there was this guy making a film, and um, a Danish guy, and I... We decided before the race that I could always sleep a night and take a night off and then try again. So I didn't quit and I stayed in the tent and, and I thought, well, I'm not I'm not going to run because I was in it was just so painful. And then the next morning, I got up and went for the toilet and I said, oh no, I can actually walk without too much pain. <laughs> and um, then I didn't want to do the race again <laughs> because it was so mentally tough. So I started walking, and then. My plan was actually just to walk and take all the breaks, and but but it was so long, so I decided just to um, after a while to set a new goal and not to think about competition, but just to walk, like nonstop, no sleep, no uh, no stops or anything. So 
So no sleep. So tell me a little bit about that. So you're awake for the winters. You were looking for 80 hours. I mean, yeah. are people napping every little bit? Or are you just full on sleep deprivation? How's that? How, how did it work for everybody? Um, for everybody, I think if you look at Dan Lawson, the, the winner, the, he was a machine that that race and, and he finished in 72 hours, which is really incredible. And, and I think he slept once for, for two hours. And then there was an, uh, Nico Bassi from uh, Italy. He was second. He finished in 80 hours and he didn't sleep at all. But I spoke to him after the race and he hardly remembered anything of the race. <laughs> yeah. So, um, tell me, but I know, yeah, sorry. Tell me about that experience of sleep deprivation. What's it like? Oh, that actually was probably the thing that turned the race into a really good experience for me. Um, because halfway, the first 200 Ks were, I was negative and just thinking about all the things that were going wrong. And when I started walking, I, I got this new goal of just not stopping and um, also just otherwise it would never end because walking is so slow. Um, but then the first night was okay. Um, and then the second night, um, I started, first of all, when the sun was coming down, I got really like sleepy and I started seeing things and I was not really aware of at that time that it was just sleep monsters. But I saw like a big, like Grand Canyon ahead of me and I never got to this Grand Canyon. I was just like, wow, is that, is that Grand Canyon? <laughs> and, um, and then I walked and then it got dark and I got really sleepy and I was trying not to, just fighting the feeling of wanting to, to lay down and sleep. And then after a while, um, it turned into like, I really started hallucinating, um, seeing like sleep monsters. First I saw some graffiti on, on there were some cliffs and I, wow, nice graffiti out here. And, when I came closer and then I could see, okay, it's not graffiti, it's just the cliff on some shades from the light of my, my headlamp. And then I saw some some of these trolls that um, the Germans put in the gardens. I don't know if you know them. <laughs> yeah, small yeah, yeah. So, and I was, wow, they're nice. And then I was really scared because there was this big uh, big dog just sitting. And I was, I was just looking at this big dog and I was just like, wow, is it, is it going to get me? Oh, it, it hasn't seen me yet. And I was like, should I attack or should I take a stone or what should I do? And I was just, my adrenaline was really pumping and I was scared like hell. I was alone in the dark with that big, big dog. And, and then it just disappeared into a bush. Like it just turned into a bush. And I was like, oh, oh. just, and then I just walked a little bit in this, um, fantasy world and, and suddenly the desert was not not that boring anymore <laughs> and then I then I think actually I started like sleeping for a few split seconds and then waking up and you know I always had had my mind on, on the GPS and, and finding my way and keeping moving forward and then I woke up when I reached a CP and there was this guy in front of me talking to me and it's like waking up <laughs> and then, then I was fresh again. So, so I never stopped. And, and the funny thing is if you look at my, my tracking, it's, I didn't slow down even though I was like sleeping <laughs> a little bit. That is absolutely incredible. Yeah. Sleep monsters. I like that. I've never heard that term before. I'm going to hang on. Okay. To yeah. So let's, let's, let's jump away from the desert here and yeah. 
just this year, the Beyond the Ultimate Ice Ultras is a 230k race in Sweden. Yeah, in okay. in the north of Sweden, yes. Okay, so this is a so this is a stage event over five days. So, is it? Are you on snow or are you on like what's the terrain up in the Arctic Circle for this event? Like, well, it's it's very beautiful. The two first stages are mountainous. And then you get into some some flat areas, but but you run in uh, in tracks made from snowmobiles, so actually it's quite <laughs> terrible ter- <laughs> terrain to run in. I, uh, I've definitely I've been in the area before on skis, and I would prefer that if I went for uh, for just <laughs> yeah. But but you bring uh, snowshoes with you, and yeah, and so it's it's really. The ground is really sometimes it's very solid, easy running, and some places it's very loose snow, and you just go through in even with the snowshoes. You, it's like you're making very little progress. And in in the mountains, it was like you have this hard layer of snow on the top, and sometimes it holds you, and sometimes you poof, you go through. And so that was really, really hard because it's it was just a, yeah, just just really hard on the foot. Yeah. yeah, that's so frustrating. What was your, what was your pace during that event? Uh, it, it was actually very slow, <laughs> um, but I think my pace actually I didn't. I think I finished in twenty seven hours. Um, and I think we went really fast because there was this uh, really good uh, German runner and 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 our friend. We we became friends doing the event by pushing each other. We were battling each stage, and um, so we pushed all that we could. And I think the pace pace might be that's hard to say because we have kilometers. But it's if we go fast, it's seven minutes per kilometers or six minutes per kilometers, and it's mm-hmm. slow, slow pace. Yeah, well, I mean, you're post holing through the snow, so you, so we'll give you yeah. a little credit for that, Simon. <laughs> <laughs> so, moving on from. <clears throat> from winning that race, you know, you you've done UTMB, you've done this race in the desert, you've you've done this race in the Arctic. I mean, you've kind of covered all the gambit of these events. What draws you to those? You know, what drew you away from doing half marathons and things like that out into these uh, basically expedition runs? Coincidence. <laughs> uh... <laughs> Yeah, I, I think it's a coincidence, but I'm I'm really happy that, that it turned out that way. Um, after I, I did the race in Italy, that's actually five years ago now, uh, I got on the podium, put it on the Facebook, <laughs> and then a good friend of mine, he knew a guy who was um, Wes, who was actually organizing for the Beyond the Ultimate in uh, the Amazonas, and he threw me a, a ticket for his race. I said, "Wow, thank you. That's a, that's a nice one." But actually, it's just they just give you water, so it was a quite <laughs> free one. Uh, but then I, I got into this stageway event for the first time, and at that time, I didn't run even five days of training uh, consecutive. That's how I say. It. So, so that's doing 230 kilometers was like, oof, in in five days. That's crazy. And the longest distance were 90 k's and. 
I couldn't. <laughs> and then when we got there, they started like making it even more extreme, telling about all the <laughs> dangers out there, snakes that would hunt you down and <laughs> and big cats that would get you. And But I was like, ah, oh, I'm from Denmark. It's... Uh, <laughs> And um, yeah, we have a little bit of Viking attitude, I think. And and I was just thinking, well, all the Indians, they're not, they're living here and they're doing fine. And I don't see any dead people <laughs> to cross. <laughs> so, so I thought maybe it's going to be fine. And then there was this, um, or Ian Sherman, a really good uh, English runner who lives in America, really good one. He was there at that race. And I didn't expect to, to follow him at all, but actually I ended up winning against him. And from that point on, I got, um, I was not like in Italy. I was like, I was thinking everybody run, ran all their life, but I was thinking, okay, actually I run all my life. I've been running and actually I'm quite good. Uh, so the next time I was at a start list, I was like, okay, I've just bet, uh, been beating one of the, the best runners and trail runners in the world. So maybe I can try to compete a little bit higher and put the, put my, my time goals a little bit high and then I got a lot of self-confidence and it just moved on and then suddenly I saw myself in UTMB even though I thought that doing 100 miles were crazy so and then from there on it's yeah, it's just been I just see what happens yeah. um yeah it's been a snowball for you that's pretty incredible yeah what would you say uh you were doing these races and you never really thought of yourself as as a as a an elite level runner, but you kind of just kind of found yourself competing with the lead packs and whatnot. Was there ever any kind of aha moment when you when you went from yeah I'm just showing up to compete to yeah I'm gonna I'm gonna show up and try and win this thing? Actually, I think um, when I I had a heart. Um... I, I raced really well in in the Amazonas and. Um... And after winning that, that was kind of that changed my my way of of looking at myself. I think um, trying okay, I can actually do something. And and after that race, I signed up for for UTMB uh, because I did some other races. And suddenly, I had the qualification points that I needed. And it's like I was suddenly in the trail running community. And if you have those points, you you sign up for UTMB. And I was just crossing my fingers I wouldn't get in. And um, I got into the race. And then, wow, I thought 100 miles, then I better start uh, training. So I, I prepared myself for eight months for that race. Wow. And that was the first time I trained for anything specific like that. And how, and how did it go? Well, I had, I had some really some tough goals. I wanted, I wanted to do it in like in 24 hours, which is a really fast time. And I prepared really well, but on race day, I, the race starts at six o'clock, and I was so nervous because this hundred miles sounds so long. So I ate a lot of food, just ate and ate and ate, and then I always have this routine that I can eat a lot, and then when I drink coffee, I'll go out and get rid of all the stuff I've put in my stomach. <laughs> right, right. But that didn't work out at all. So. Um, First of all, when I got to the start line with all the big stars and big shots, and I was like, wow, starstruck, I also really feel like going for a pee. So, <laughs> so I, was, I was really angered to get the start done and then get running, and then you just 
it just explodes. You have like two, two and a half thousand runners between you and they just push you out there. So you just run like really fast and you run, I would run fast, faster there than if, if I should do a 10K run. Oh, wow. Um, Are you there? Simon, you there? I can hear you. Yep, I'm back. Okay. Good. I'm back. <laughs> Good. So you, you started out this race uh, faster than you would run a 10K? Yeah, the first couple of Ks, because you do like, I don't know I don't know in miles, but I did like 330 or something, because that's just the speed. If you're in the front of the whole pack, oh, wow. because I was like elite, so you just... You just bang out there. You just if you stop, it's like I think you're gonna die. <laughs> you don't want to fall <laughs> or anything. You just yeah. So I just ran, and then I went to the the first and the best tree I saw when we get into the forest, and and then we started on the uphill, and it was really nice. And I was looking, wow, all these uh, people I knew from from YouTube, like uh, Anton Kopitschka and all these guys, I was running with those and doing really well on the uphill, and then we started on the downhill. And then it was like, you know, a ketchup bottle that uh, suddenly it starts coming out of you. <laughs> so I just needed the toilet. Yep. And that went on for like the first 75 kilometers. Every time we went downhill, it was like, oh, my stomach hurt it. And, and it was raining and it was really, really, really rough. And it was in the night. And I remember the last time I went off the trail and I was sitting there and it was a long uphill and just see all these headlamps passing by and I was like, oh, I, I was almost quitting, but I could still see that even though my stomach was totally upset, I was having a pretty okay time. And then this headlight, I was sitting there just about oh, thinking about quitting, this headlight turned around and, um, and somebody shouted, are you okay? And I shouted back, yeah, yeah, I'm just having a problem with my stomach. And then he called back, oh, it's you, Denmark. <laughs> and then I remember it was some American runner who I had been running with earlier in the race. And it just made me so happy that, that somebody gave me a little bit of thought in this hard, hard moment where I was sitting there in, in the rain, alone in the dark, getting ready to quit. And he just, oh, somebody was actually, yeah, taking care of me. So um, I didn't see him. I don't, I don't know his name, but, but then I got up and got going and then actually it went okay it went really well i did like in i finished in 25 hours so i hope for a better time but but still it was a really good time nice that race is something else i've i've watched some video of it and just the start and the finish line crowds and whatever it seems pretty unmatched yeah i think it is it, it's just the gathering of of everyone everybody's there what what was what's your training like? What did you do to get ready for that race? Um, when you come from a flat land like I do, uh, well, I have have the hills. I have a, had a mantra saying that I should uh, every downhill I should run as fast as I could. So every time I went downhill, I just kicked in, <laughs> and then I put in a lot of uh, hiking with the backpack, because I found out in when I did that uh, hike with um, before the race in Italy that made me really strong. So um, so I hiked with uh, 25 kilos on my back, going up and down, up and down, and up and down. Um, so it's a very specific training. 
Um, I don't like doing strength training or doing anything indoor, so everything was outdoor. Mm. And then I got a job as, as a mountain guide to be in the mountains, um, also to prepare for the altitude and, and prepare for cliffs. And we don't have any cliffs or anything in Denmark, so get used to, 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 to that environment. When you're getting ready for something like UTMB, do you do you log number of hours a week or number of miles a week, or do you have any baseline like that? Yeah, I log my my time on the feet. Um, I always look at at the hours because I I never do any fast. Well, I do fast running, but when you go up and down and run in the terrain all the time, it's very slow case. So, but that time it was between ten and twenty hours a week. A lot of slow, slow moving, yeah. That's and then I worked worked in the mountains, and that was full days, yeah. Right, right. What about diet? Um, actually, I haven't been so strict on my diet. Uh, that came in later um, because I did all that running the first years, and then I got a little bit tired of running, for, and I took a time off, and then I just started eating, and... I got a little bit fat, and not, not that fat, but I, then I suddenly had a sponsor called Compressed Board. It's like very slim fit, and I looked at that, and I said, oh, that doesn't look too good. <laughs> and I, I thought, okay, I might, uh, I might have to lose some weight, and I tried some, some things. You can go to the internet and look at some, some different things and times of diets and stuff, and, and it just made me think, more and more about food and made me eat even more so i found out okay I, i'm gonna make this very simple so i said for morning i'll have a little bit of muesli and then for for lunch and for dinner i'll take um, uh, some beans just uh, a can of beans uh, kidney beans and then i'll just eat all the fruit and vegetables that i want to and if i go and see somebody be invited somewhere and just eat what they they eat. Right. So I got very social. <laughs> but actually, I lost like eight kilos in, in eight weeks. Oh, wow. And I found out that I actually, um, I was uh, strong and I felt very energetic doing that diet. And normally, if you lose one kilo per week, you shouldn't, that's actually too much. Uh, but I felt really good and strong and could do my training and... Um, and then after that, actually, I, I started cutting down on the meat uh, after those eight weeks. And now I'm, I'm not like strict vegan, but but I don't. Uh, if I can, I don't do any of the meat or milks or anything like that. But I'm I'm still polite. So if I'm invited to some place, I'll I'll try not to eat the meat. But if it's impossible, like minced meat or something in in a sauce or something, I I can take a little bit of it. But I'm not like crazy vegan right i'm just like yeah so well, you're, so now i'm actually serious about it serious about a little diet? bit you're vegan yeah diet? but, but uh, yeah not not serious but trying not to eat too much <laughs> you know personally i love dieting you know like mm. I, I, you know i like seeing the way i feel after you know eating a certain way for three or four weeks and okay know, it's always it always seems interesting to me yeah i mean yeah yeah yeah, not too, I've I've never been dieting, uh, not before those uh, <laughs> cans of beans. So, so what diets do you do? Oh man, I've tried everything from I've been vegetarian for a while. I've done the keto diets. I've you know I've done uh, 
intermittent fasting where, you know, I'll only eat, you know, um, uh, one day of the week, I won't eat anything. Oh, um, you know, I've tried all sorts of different diets, but you know, when I was in college, I was all through high school and college, I was on the wrestling team. So dieting and weight control is just a part of that dynamic and it's kind of just followed me for years. But anyway, Um, and what, what do you do now? Uh, now, well, since now I just kind of eat whatever I want since I've had kids. <laughs> so, okay. So it's definitely changed since I've had kids. Um, but I'd say I'm definitely plant-based, sprinkling yeah, yeah. a little meat here and there. And I'm kind of like you. I don't like to go to a social situation and say, ooh, I don't want to have that or whatever, <laughs> you know. So yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll kind of go bring, along. Bringing your own salads and yeah. stuff. But it's okay. Yeah. yeah. I, th- I yeah. think I just need to cut back on the beer. Yeah, <laughs> actually, yeah. For me to get in shape, it's just to lose weight. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, for sure. So you win this race. You're, you know, you've you've won several events. I'm sure you you obviously weren't always on top of the podium through this running career and through you know this this new sport you found. What's been your lowest moment? What's been the moment you know when you're really down in the dumps? Well. Actually, I think it was at uh, at the Gobi Desert halfway through, uh, because the whole year I had suffered with um, with some injury I couldn't get rid of, and um, then it it was just like being out in the Gobi Desert and just laying there and feeling ridiculous. What am I doing here? It was like so. I think that was really low. Um, yeah, that's. But I, yeah, I don't know if I've. I think I'm not like um, I've had other injuries, but it's like um, because I'm grown up with from a non-sports family. It's not like sports is. Um, I, I, running is probably all my life. People will will say that, but it's not like I see it. I don't see it like that. So so I don't see that many low moments of um, in my running. Career, I don't, I don't see it as a career. I see it as a hobby. Or, right. Yeah, yeah. But actually, it's, it's also my job now. It's, it's running and and doing trail camps and. But yeah, I don't, I don't, feel like there have been some really low moments or, well, but injuries are shit. Yeah. <clears throat> well, laying yeah. on your back in the middle of the Gobi Desert, with yeah. only being able to walk one k an hour is. It's pretty low. <laughs> yeah, that's that's that felt not good. <laughs> what uh, what practical advice would you give to a young athlete, you know, or or a thirty year old who wants to improve their game and get into ultras? <laughs> you know, someone's, um, someone's a runner. They like to jog. There's this thirty k yeah, yeah. race out there. What you know? What advice would you give them? I would. Um, well, there's many advices to give. There's some you can give some advices on on the training. But I, I would also maybe ask the question, why do they want to do it? What's the motivation for doing it? And finding out what what makes them uh, feel like they want to do it. And when they know that, then they can go for the next step and then find out how to, to train for it. And Because I think it's, it's very important to see it. You have a goal, you have an ultra you want to do. But actually the way to the ultra, the training and... And how you change your lifestyle and and all that—that's that's actually more important than the race itself. So I think 
sometimes when I've done really good at races, actually it's it's really nice because it made me going outside, going fast downhill, actually having a good time getting there. Um, so I think it's it's very important to to not see just the goal, but also see actually the the way to the goal is actually the the main thing. Um, yeah. Nice. I like that. Enjoy the journey. Yeah, yeah, and and see it as a journey, and and look forward to the race, of course, because that's celebration. But but if you put all your eggs in that basket, you <laughs> sometimes it it doesn't go. It's not easy. So 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 I think it's it's important to see the the way there. But of course, it's um, I'd say do it if you're 30 years. Yeah, you should do it if you're. Oh, sorry. Um, sorry. <laughs> Oh, That's my brother calling. The the one that you beat in the race? Yeah, yeah. I'll just let him <laughs> down now. Send him a text. Be like, remember when you were 13? <laughs> <laughs> no, no. I've, 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 um, I think it's it's there's some really good things in ultras. And I've when I do talks about ultras, I also say that it's very, how do you say that, condensed life. Um, actually, Andrew, I was battling in... in uh, at the Ice Ultra, I think we made friends for a lifetime up there in five days because we were battling and we were having a good social time afterwards, and then battling again and and getting to know each other on some some points that that shows what what you actually are. Mm-hmm. So so there's some really good good things in, in ultra running. Um, so so I think you should do it, but also find out what what do why do we want to do it? Do we want to go fast or do we want to go and explore and just see how it goes or do yeah there's many many reasons for doing it yeah what if what if they what if they wanted to turn it into a career like you you mentioned earlier that now running is your job what advice would you give for that actually you should just do what you want um joseph campbell he uh, he says follow your bliss and he says something like follow your bliss and the world will open doors where they before were only walls. Uh, he has something like that. And I think that's just do whatever you like and go for it. And then you'll actually find small ways to, to make, um, make it happen. And for me, career, if you say that, it sounds like something you want to make money out of. But it could also just be get a lot of time to do what you like to do instead of making it into a job because I don't, I, I don't get rich by by doing this, but but um, but I always thought like okay, I, I like running, I I like to be outdoors and and spend some time that way. So I, I think it's just do whatever you want to, and and you'll find some some ways to to get through. Uh, maybe you have to just eat cans of of beans, but there's a lot of energy in that. <laughs> um, I don't know if that makes sense, but but maybe not push it too much not, not think too much because then it easily gets to um i don't know yeah it, it, you can think too much about things and then it's not really um real mm. you need to be real and because there's so many out there on the on the facebook and social media and, and trying to to make a career but i think you should just um, stick to what you are and what you like to do there you go. Value bombs, Hammer Factor Nation. Follow your bliss. Remember that one. I like that one. Mm, so thanks. I was reading on your bio, you're the captain of the Danish team 
Now, is this like a a state-sponsored team? What what does that mean? Oh yeah, actually, I should have taken that off. I'm not that anymore, but I've, I have been. Okay. Uh, How does um, that work? Actually, that's like uh, the World Championships of uh, trail running. So I've been there as a runner, and because it's it's not funded very well, so they had to pick uh, a runner to be in charge of the team and taking decisions and go to the meetings before the race. And and, and that's what I've, I've been doing, and then giving advice to, to the young runners. Yeah. Okay, okay, I gotcha. Yeah. You know, the, the sport of ultra running, enduro sports, um, it seems to me like there's more 100-mile races, there's 200-mile races, there's these other events popping up. What do you see as the trend of the sport? Is it going to continue to get longer? Are we going to see more stage events? Like, how do you how do you see it evolving from your chair? It's, people are definitely running longer and longer. And... And I think that's not just a trend. I think that's actually because people find out that we actually made for running long and slow. Uh, I think I, I don't know if it's it's correct, but but evolution and uh, scientists also found out that we were hunters when we evolved into into hunters, and and we actually really good at running long distance, very slow. Um, so I think people find out that if they go very slow, actually it's not so hard on the body as if you go push really hard through a road marathon uh, and where you're pacing yourself all the time and you have this landing on the asphalt very, very hard and you need special shoes. Actually, when you go out in, in the mountains and on the trails and the forest, it's very more, it's more natural running. So I think people find out that it's, it's easier to go trail running and go ultra running and maybe not look so much at at, uh, at the times, but more enjoy just the act of running. Yeah. No, so I think think that's not just a trend. I think it will be going that direction. And then, then I also see that, that people also want to... Myself, I, I actually like to go a little bit faster and not that far. Um, to also see that we'll have more like very steep events like in the Alps, like vertical races and sky running and so more extreme in that way. Um, maybe a little bit too extreme. You have seen some people fall and luckily not, not uh, die from it, but, but hurting themselves. And they're, they're running some places I wouldn't race, that's for sure. Right. So it's always going to the edge. Um, but I think many people that now have done like 100 miles and that's getting into the normal thing. And I think just five years ago, um, I, f- I think that if you did a hundred mile, wow. Uh, but now in the trail environment or with my trail buddies, it's not like a lot of people have done like hundred miles. It's still long, but it's it's not something you turn your head around to see, oh, that, that guy did hundred miles. You ask how fast did he do it? <laughs> No, yeah. I hear you. I hear you. Yeah, yeah. What's your year look like now? You 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 started off with this win in the Arctic, and then we got a whole year coming up. What's your plan for 2019? Oh, um, actually, um, I don't have that many plans. Um, this year, I, um, I'm like getting. I want to get really back into good shape. Um, 
and I wanted to really get uh, on the top of my injury. That still was a little bit of that in the RS Ultra. And so I signed up for 5K vertical race in Norway. That's a total different thing. I always always wanted to do um, a vertical race. I haven't done it. So I'll do that in June. And then I'm looking at an, a route in Norway, an FKT, uh, 350 kilometers in, in Norway. And FKTs are not big in Denmark, but I would, I would like to, or in Europe, but, but I'd like to try on a, on a trail and, and do it by myself. Yeah. I love the uh, the FKT. That seems to be a, a movement, a trend that's happening um, yeah. right now. What are yeah. some of the significant ones that stood out to you that maybe inspired you to go out and attempt this run in Norway? Um, yeah, I think that's definitely coming from um, it's coming from the U.S. But actually, I also coached uh, and paced the girl who set uh, the record for Kilimanjaro last year, uh, going uphill. Um, so, so that's um, so that kind of made me think that way. I, I would like to try and do an FKT, and and it's easy now because there's not that many FKTs, so so it's easier to do it in Europe now. <laughs> um, but actually, it's more like being out there for yourself. But I think the Appalachian trails you have. Yeah. yeah I've yeah. heard some podcasts about people doing that. And I think that sounds like, wow, sounds really interesting. Yeah, there's been some incredible feats. There's a lady here in my hometown, um, Wendy Davis, and she was the first person who FKT'd it. Um, she had the FKT okay. for a long period of time. It's definitely inspiring. I wish I could get the time to go run you know, for that many days in a row. I don't know if I'd necessarily look for the FKT, but... No, no, just to do it, yeah. Just to do it. Um, that would be something. Are there any sponsors or anything like that you'd like to give a shout-out to that are helping you along the way? Yeah. Um, not not uh, not many, but there's some that I would like to, to shout-out to. I'd like to shout-out to a Danish company called GripCup because they made, like, accessories for, for cycling and for running... And, and actually, they supported me before I, I started really running. Um, and um, that's because I organize races. So, so I would like to shout out to them. And then actually, I just uh, got, a, got in touch with Scott uh, Running Shoes, and, and they'll help me. And then I have, um, have uh, Yeti, which is a Danish brand, making down jackets. And I organize an adventure race. That they, it's gonna be the European Championships, and I'm gonna be the race director of that. Oh wow! In 2020, yeah. Wow, it's a big and, deal. Yeah, yeah, that's gonna be nice. <laughs> um, that also gives me a lot of time out in the, in the big outdoors uh, to to set that course. And then uh, I have um, an energy sponsor called Agisco. Uh, and before that, I had Tailwind. Um, so I'd like to thank both of of them uh, for supporting me. Yep. Was well, there anything else you'd like to share with our audience before we conclude this interview, Simon? Um, no, just uh, get out there running and and please think about environment. Uh, I'd say I, I'd, I'd stop flying uh, because of uh, the carbon footprints that it, that it puts out. So if I'll be going to your place, um, I will. But it'll be. I'll see how I get there. 
But actually, that's that's really interesting now because um, now I'm traveling by train and and trying to see the world, and it it just got so much bigger. Interesting. <laughs> so, yeah. Very yeah. interesting. So that's that's also why I want to do that adventure in Norway to say you don't have to travel all the way to to the other side of the world when you have mountains so close. Yeah. 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 yeah for sure. Where can our listeners follow you? Are you on Instagram or Facebook, or where's the best place for people to follow? Um, yeah, I'm on Facebook, uh, a place called the Barbarian Trail Runner, Simon Grimstrup, aka the Barbarian Trail Runner, and then I'm uh, on Instagram, just Simon Grimstrup. How'd you, how'd you get the name the Barbarian? <laughs> uh, well, somebody called me the Barbarian Trail Runner. Um, and then I made this Facebook page just for fun, just before I thought it was quite ridiculous with all these names and I'm the trailer runner and blah, blah, blah. But then I suddenly got a lot of followers and then <laughs> I just stuck to it and yeah, it just happened. I like it. So now, now I like it because it like, it's not like I like barbarians, but, <laughs> but I like just, just go out and, and just go out and do it. Don't think too much. Just um, do what you like, follow your bliss. Um, kind of think, thinking, yeah. Well, well, thanks for your time coming onto the hot seat, Simon. Um, thanks. We're gonna have to have you back on the show after your FKT in Norway. So looking forward. Yeah, to that. That, I'd like to tell you a little bit of that, and it'll also make me do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. maybe we'll yeah, get, yeah. maybe we'll get you on the show immediately before it, so um, yeah. we can just see how everything's going. Super excited to hear about that. Thanks. Yeah. All right. Well. You have a good day, and thank you so much. You're welcome.